Welcome to American Soccer Analysis. Thanks for listening to us, guys. I'm Harrison. That's Sean over there and that other computer. You can just feel the chemistry. What? I should should keep... I can just feel the chemistry we have. That's why people listen. Certainly. It It jumps off the charts. What the hell do you know? Obviously nothing. But then again, you probably didn't get told in excess of like 20 times that you should probably stop doing anything soccer related. <laughs> uh, yeah. Again, as I told you, you learned a valuable lesson this uh, week, which is English people know everything. I, I don't I don't think that's fair. <laughs> of course it's not fair. <laughs> I don't care. I just wanted to throw that disclaimer out but yes you're right um <laughs> we're gonna be discussing this week uh copa america 100 so yeah that happened this this weekend they announced the roster we kind of covered it last week um but it really didn't work out so well um so we actually took the 30 to 40 minute conversation that we had and we just absolutely like gutted it. Um, Drew had some really great points, um, none of which will be heard today because, uh, again, we abandoned that and that was agreed upon. And then he said, yeah, we'll definitely do it next week. And Sean, where's Drew? Um. I'm I'm guessing a bar somewhere. Probably. Yeah. Probably with his really nice girlfriend, you know, having some drinks, getting done with that really cool new job he has. Here we are, just a couple of nerds by ourselves. Right, but we did prepare this time, which is why this chemistry you can hear this that's really popping this podcast so far. We spent an hour and a half. <laughs> we, we've this is even including like our our conversations that we have when i'm driving home from work this is this is one of the longest ongoing conversations we've had uh yet um Correct. just exhausting um so we're gonna break this down we're gonna kind of my 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 big disdain uh in issue with talking about yet another U.S. Men's National Team roster is it's it's kind of hard to come up with this, saying something different about the same individuals over and over again, right? And we we, we kind of beat into, a, into the ground some of our different opinions about different things. So we spent like an hour and a half coming up with some sort of statistics to kind of back up uh, some of our thoughts pertaining towards certain individuals. Uh, there's disclaimers and, you know, everything in moderation, you know, don't, don't do, 
cocaine. Um, that's bad. But seriously, I mean, the, you pointed out excellently. We'll get into the goalkeepers right here. Brad Guzon, who wears the number one. You got Tim Howard and Ethan Hovath, uh, who won't obviously play. Um, Guzon has some decent interesting numbers uh especially when it comes to the fact that he has more claims over the last two years than howard but you pointed out something rather obvious what happens if he's just seeing more crosses or he's able to get to more crosses because his team sucks yeah basically yeah when you look at aston via versus uh <laughs> versus uh, everton that certainly could be the case um but yeah, there. But there have been articles written about the downfall of specifically that stat for Howard. Um, I forget who wrote it, but it was very good. And uh, so yeah, I think right I think now it, Michael, on, uh, it might have been Michael Cayley. Are you sure? Yeah, I feel I like, like I feel like it was. Uh, I, I feel think, like it wasn't. Whatever doesn't matter. So yeah, it doesn't. We'll link, we'll link it in the bottom. Yeah, uh, sure, maybe if we find it. Uh. Point is, we talked. I think we talked about this with Bill even um, when he was on. But yeah, I think um, Kuzan is the right choice going forward. I, I don't think uh, how you could logically give it to, to Howard at the moment. Well, yeah. I mean, he lost his job. He's going to Tim. He, he's he's going to Colorado, and, and that's kind of a weird situation because Zach Crick math has kind of been good. Um. So that'll yeah. Uh, Weird situation, man. With just surrounding Tim Howard, uh, he's a likable guy. So it, you, you, it's hard to say negative things about number one, the the U.S. goalkeepers in general, but specifically, most of them all seem to be pretty likable guys, um, even if they don't like each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there aren't a lot of players I just dislike on the national team. Well, I mean, we all have one or two, right? Mm, who do you dislike? We'll get to that. So, um, <laughs> defenders, looking down, you know, you kind of broke it down in the sense, uh, while we were discussing it, that John Brooks will probably be the automatic starter with either Beasler, or, uh, you know, Cameron fitting in beside, beside him. Just kind of rehash some of those thoughts. Well, I think Klinsman has shown a tendency to go with a right footer and a left footer, which is why I think uh, everyone's been baffled by Roscoe keep getting starts. He's left-footed. We don't have a lot of left-footed center backs. So when Beasler's not there and Brooks not there, uh, I think Roscoe's getting starts there. Um, I think that's kind of why we've seen so much from that and his versatility. Uh, but I think it's probably going to be Cameron and Brooks. Uh, and when you look at they're uh, just cursory look at their stats. Um, it's a pretty good tandem. Uh, John Brooks in Bundesliga, 63% winning his aerials, 3.38 defensive actions per 90, which is pretty good. Um, Jeff Cameron, 64% of his aerials, 4.8% defen- defensive actions per 90, uh, which is also good. Um, whereas, uh, you know, uh, Beasler is at 4.3 defensive actions, 48% of his aerials. But when you actually com- look at pass adjusting, if you look at Beasler versus Brooks, you, could pr- you might be able to make a case that Beasler should get uh, the start. Uh, we've got a uh, – we did some pass adjusting. So that's uh, 138.2 passes against per defensive action for John Brooks. Beasler is at 110.7. And uh, there are some – the big caveat there is 
if you're not doing final third passes against, uh, then a lot of those passes could become in areas that Beasler and Brooks have no control over. So um, in that sense, not a perfect stat by any means, but it does uh, adjust for how much, uh, in theory, how much more uh, offense or chances to make uh, tackles they're seeing. So Beasler definitely is getting more defensive actions more regularly. Yeah, and and the same with uh, looking at Cameron, who has 94.6 passes against uh, defensively. Uh, And then Birnbaum, who has 71.3 defensive actions per pass against, which... Which is ridiculous. Yeah, which is ridiculous, but until you kind of... He also has the highest aerial, as the 66% aerial dual percentage, which is the highest of the four. Um, But yeah... um, I, I think the it way DC caters defends. towards the way DC also plays. So, you, I mean, yes. you mentioned it, you know, the you have the defensive tendencies on how they position themselves, too. And I think Birnbaum's just a little bit more, uh, he's a little bit more apt to, to accrue defensive actions than, uh, than the other three. Yes, they invite teams into the final third, and they sort of win the ball there. And it's that's why they're, they're, uh, uh, they allow so many shots and a lot of high leverage shots as well, but they also win the ball a lot there. And I, so he's getting a lot of opportunities there. So it's not necessarily Birnbaum is, you know, better than Cameron possible. Um, but uh, it, it's definitely something to consider. He is one of the more elite center backs in the league at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, even with uh, Bill Hamid being out, I think that speaks, uh, loudly as far as what Birnbaum's been able to do on that back uh, center center line. So, um, you know, it, just because the, he has the advantage to possibly have, skew his numbers just, you know, just a little bit, remember that this isn't like a huge skew. He's still doing something quite significant. So that's something to definitely to consider uh, with Birnbaum and something definitely to watch going forward, especially with all the rumors that kind of surround him right now. And going overseas. Oh yeah, definitely. And yeah, we'll see. I, I, th- we'll definitely see him in some friendlies. Maybe he can win a spot. We'll see how open this camp is. Um, I think some spots definitely are open, and we'll talk about that uh, moving forward in the lineup. So uh, looking at the fullbacks, it's pretty obvious that this is going to be a, a Fabian DeAndre uh, pairing on each side. The fullbacks are probably, and I don't know necessarily whether or not that should be the case or um, I, I, it seems to me that they're not, they're one of the least um, platoon positions. Like you see a lot of platoons when it comes to center backs and I'm probably not using the right, uh, you know, nomenclature when it comes to the, that specific, you know, coaching element. But in this context, I feel like it, you almost are platooning the center backs to a degree. You're you're mat, you're you're mixing and matching based off of uh, who's who you're going to be playing in the in that particular game, right? We've seen a lot of platooning the back line, um, and I, I, uh, I think one of the problems has been that for the longest time, the experiment has been to play Yedlin or Zardes at right mid because they wanted speed there. And now that Yedlin is kind of coming into his own in the Premier League as a right back, it seems like he's kind of locked that space down. It, it kind of opens up a wing position 
So uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing uh, quite as much platooning. I think Yedlin's definitely locked down that right back spot and can still provide that width and speed that Klinsman wants from him. I, I think the question mark is, you know, of course, is Johnson, do we not have a better left back? Because a lot of people will say that Johnson's better in the midfield because, you know, that's where he plays in the Bundesliga. And I think that's a valid point, absolutely valid. But at least we know what we're getting from Johnson at left back. And that's in the broad spectrum of Klinsman back lines. If you're pointing to the weak link as, you know, Fabian Johnson, then that's that's probably a good thing. And I, I don't think that he's the weakest link on this. If anything, you, you could probably say uh, Yedlin might be the weakest link. Um, or even the fact that, you know, that these guys really, I don't, I could be wrong. I don't believe this back four has played together before. And you could point to the fact that, you know, or even the back five, that, that there might be some communication issues. I don't think that this is a bad back line at all. I think it's a very good one, in fact. Um, and I think while I prefer Johnson up in a wing position, getting forward, creating shots and I think that he's excellent at that I don't have an issue with him playing left back um you know you you could definitely there's a lot of different players that you could probably point to and 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 say that and have a valid argument that they're just as good and I don't want to throw out a bunch of names and you know go down that rabbit hole but that being said um, I, I don't have an issue with him being left back in terms of what his, what his quality will be, right? Yeah, definitely. I, and I think that's why we have these friendlies, you know, uh, this friendlies leading in. I, hopefully, Klinsman won't be rotating too much on the back line. Hopefully, the priority should be to get that chemistry back there first and foremost. And I think he will. Um, I think the only issue I have with the back line, and it's not even a major issue, is um, I think... Every position is deep, uh, fairly deep, with the exception of, um, I think, when you look at backups for Johnson, uh, it goes to either uh, you can you could put Chandler there or it could fall to Orozco. And I think that's uh, – and a lot of people complain about Orozco being on this roster. I'm not a fan of it either, but my main thing with it is when people are saying, why wasn't you they're putting Gonzalez there instead of Orozco? Like, at that point, you're rearranging bench players. Like, I don't care if, you know, who is the player that's not going to be played in the tournament, because I don't think Orozco's going to be played. Um, so had it been Omar Gonzalez or, you know, Eric Lehigh or any other number of players, you still would have seen the same, I think, the same players on the field. So I don't think it's going to have any effects on the tournament. But if Johnson does go down, um, I expect Chandler to slide there. People aren't generally a fan of Chandler. Um just because he hasn't looked good or he's been shaky in international uh, play. Uh, I think that's always terrible analysis because that's such a small sample size of a career. And if he was so bad, then I, I don't see him succeeding in the Bundesliga and the league that he plays in week in, week out. Being a starter. Being a starter, right. Even if his team almost was relegated, it doesn't matter. If you look at his long career in the Bundesliga as a starter... I, I find it hard to believe that he's a terrible defender. So uh, I'm fine with a starting Bundesliga uh, fullback as a backup for both right back and left back on this team. That's depth. 
I mean, I don't want to go ahead and put a label on it and say, well, because he's a starter in Bundesliga, he sh- he's going to be just fine. Four uh, years, though. It's not like like he has been a starter for years in this league. Yeah, but I mean, you could. Omar Gonzalez was a starting, you know, center back for years on an MLS. In MLS. And, well, yeah, a team that consistently won, you know multiple uh, MLS Cups and Supporter Shields. I mean, he played on some... Okay, and was never And was looked at by the Bundesliga and never bought. Yeah, but here, here's the thing. The same league that consistently plays Chandler. Well, you can say the league as itself, but I don't think the league yeah, it's, right. itself should represent one single player. And that's, and that's really my point. I think, uh, sure, but uh, the average defender in the Bundesliga is better than the average MLS defender. So I think very few starting defenders in the Bundesliga wouldn't be uh, good backups. Backups. Emerson's backups to our weakest position historically on, on the national team, which is left back. So, again, I think all things considered fine with Chandler sure but I mean this year itself you say you know you talk about him being a starter he's started all of 12 games I mean so let's let's not get too carried away with his position his position's been a little bit more um volatile so I mean that's that's all I'm saying I, I I'm not completely disagreeing with you I have my own ideology of you know how I would do things and I'm sure you do too so um you know there's no point arguing that. That being said, um, I don't know necessarily. Yeah, sp- speaking to the quality of Chandler it is, I think, a little bit more difficult than um, than you're making it sound. But at the same time, I agree with you in the sense that I don't think most people give him the breath that he should. Yeah, and even when he does so well. I'm probably in the middle between the people versus Sean. And I'll just I'll throw out one thing. There's also sort of a narrative that's been created. So even when he does well, people don't recognize it. Case in point, the Germany game. When we played in Germany uh, and uh, beat Germany. Uh, the fact that uh, I believe he his defensive usage in that game was 25%. Um, which is more indicative of the fact that Jossi Zaris was a winger and not defending in that game. But the <laughs> fact that he was able to withstand that and, you know, pe- people point, well, he got beaten... At this point, it's like, well, he got beaten by an elite German player in this one instance. But for if you look at how many tackles he had, how many interceptions, how many shot blocks, 25% usage when, you know, like average maybe 12, 13, um, you know, 25% defensive actions were coming from one player. That was a fantastic game that was never highlighted. Well, I think that's a really great point in the sense of it, when you're getting targeted by an elite system in an elite country um as the weak link and okay people want to point out one specific turn you're probably missing three or four different good opportunities in which he he really stood up and and played and i think that largely um people rely too much on their on their memories because as a tendency we try to hide our memories highlight specific you know, specific moments, events, and whether those are good or whether those are bad, it, you know, it, it's usually, you know, these 
very eventful uh, times, whether it's a usually that's a goal or usually, you know, it's a chance that maybe uh, the team had it scoring. But either way, it's something that's memorable. Right. And trying to judge a player based off of those instances is really, really bad analysis. Yes, absolutely. Um, Sean, why don't you uh, have my uh, my agenda up on my screen? It's ridiculous. Why don't I have the the agenda? Aren't we going to midfield next? Yes, we are. But I didn't have everything in front of me, so how can I do that, huh? Well, it, the agenda is just literally all the all the midfielders with. Yeah, but I can't see Kyle Beckerman's name and introduce him. And you know, Kyle Beckerman's one of my favorite persons on this team because I have him on my fantasy team on the Nerd League Soccer. (laughs) Well, I I think the interesting thing from a tactical standpoint when you look at what the players that have been brought in and then the formations that have been tried over the last year since the Gold Cup, um, we haven't seen since the Mexico, with the exception of the Mexico game. the three defensive or three holding mid uh, World Cup system that we ran. Right. That was um, really successful. Successful at stopping good teams or limiting the chances of good teams. Right. That's what it was. It w- and by limiting, it still gave Belgium how many shots. So uh, I don't know. That's in and of itself a different discussion. It, well, I don't know how successful it was over a long, I mean, it were very, very short period of games. Um, but basically, when you see Beckerman and Kitchen there um, with Bradley and Jones, um, I think he's what he's setting up is he wants to play a 4-4-2 of some kind. But I think he realizes that if, say, we get out of this group, if, if we come out second in this group, uh, we're probably matching up with Brazil. Um, it's not a great Brazil, but it's still Brazil. That's a game where you're going to want to do that system. So he wants to have a Beckerman behind a Jones and a Bradley. Um, I think that's going to be anytime. Klinsman knows he's playing a better team. I think that's what he, uh, that seems to be what he does. When we played Mexico, he did it. When we played everyone in the World Cup, he did it. So that's what I'm expecting. Um, in terms of the midfield, I think a couple positions are, uh, I think the wings are going to be up in the air in camp. I think definitely um, Pulisic, I have a feeling tomorrow, well, I guess when you listen to this, uh, it'll be today or maybe you've already seen it. I'm assuming that Pulisic is going to be thrown into the fire immediately just so he can see what he's made of, see if he can trust him for 90 minutes, see if he can just, you know, give him a run out for 90 minutes at left mid. Uh, I think uh, right mid is probably going to be Bedoya. Uh, and I think that just makes the most sense. But when you look at the group as a whole, and this is something we were talking about, um, again, th- there is still a chance creation gap Um no matter what combination of midfielders you throw together, there isn't a solid chance creator on this team. No. And that's been a major problem for this team, that they don't create chances. It and, seems and, like it's going to still be a problem. And understand that – so there's a difference between necessarily the quality of chance, right? We're not necessarily talking – look, Bradley's a great passer, so is Darlington Nagby. Uh, Pulsic from all reports is a great passer. Although, you know, I'll be honest, I've not seen one of his games in the Bundesliga. Uh, the thing isn't that they can deliver a good pass. It's that they don't consistently create shots 
from their pass. And, and you know what? Maybe maybe Pulsic manages to create four or five shots in one game. You know, maybe his transformation of uh, in role, you know, turns a key and he's able to do that. That's great. I don't think either of us are worried about something happening happening um, that that we can't see. I think both of us are more worried about what we're seeing on paper right now in terms of historically what these players have achieved. And, and I think most of them, uh, Pulsic probably being the, the lone um, question mark because we don't have very much data on him. And what, 400 plus minutes uh, so far professionally? And that's available, that's available on who scored. Yeah, I don't know if there's more, but yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, you know, certainly he's an unknown, but, I mean, Nagby, as as great as Darlington Nagby is, he's really good at at these epic moments. He's not necessarily, historically, this guy that's going to create up chance after chance after chance, like like Dempsey has done over the years. And, mm, and, I, I don't think Dempsey has, but all right, keep going. You no, know, well, I... <laughs> I don't think there is a year where Dempsey has had high key pass numbers. That's something you're going to have to prove to me at a later date. Okay. Um, fair enough. I, I, I think that um, Nagby his, himself has shown a propensity for creating his own shots, and that's great. Um, I think this team is going to need it because I don't think that service is there. So I think that right. guys like Nagby – and like Dempsey and Bedoya are going to have to create their own shots because I don't see there being a lot of uh, service uh, available. Yeah, so let's run through the numbers a bit. Let's do um, uh, what I'm going to uh, – let's just go through a couple guys. Bedoya, um, it's 2,000-plus minutes this year in France. Everyone loves Bedoya because he plays in France. Um, that He's is, American. Uh, He's American. He plays in France, so he must be good because and, and he doesn't play on a team bad loves team. Him. He plays on a good team. Plays on a good team. He's attacking midfielder, therefore he has to be good. One point three key passes per ninety. Uh, that's a, not that great. Michael again, Bradley. Again, one point, that's not taking that. That's purely creating for other players, right? And that's yeah. that's implying that that other player can turn that pass into a shot in some way. But again, so this is a, there, this there is a, a good team. So there's but, obviously a dependency, but that being said, if you're playing on a guess, if you're playing on a good team and you're creating service of uh, of any type of... And you are service, the supposed you know. playmaker that people try to make him out to be on that team. Um, he's not, right. clearly, because he's not creating that many shots per game. Uh, Michael Bradley is at 1.5 uh, chance created per game. Pulisic right now is at 1.1, very limited data. Um, but I would say Pulisic's not necessarily a chance creator himself. Um, he is very much in the, you know, he's very quick, agile, good at creating his own shots, that sort of thing. Um, I don't really see him sending in that, you know, uh, ball that's going to unlock a defense on the regular. Um, you know, that's uh, still something we're going to have to see develop from him. And then we have uh, Jermaine Jones, 1.4. Uh, with the Rapids this year, uh, as a, an attacking midfielder, no less. Um, and uh, very ironically, um, our best chance creator uh, right now really is Jossie's artist at two. Which... Um, yeah, and, and and that's when you isolate him to the wings. Not just, So, you know, you can right. say, oh, he's got four minutes. No, this is looking at just his wing minutes. He's got two uh, 
per uh, per ninety. Um, they're generally not good shots, but they're shots nonetheless. Um, Nagby is at one point eight, and uh, just to give you like a correlation of why this was so egregious that Kleshin didn't even make the <laughs> didn't even make the uh, the forty. Um, Kleshin's at four point one. So Kleshin is creating four point one shots from his passes uh, per game or yeah per ninety minutes at New York Red Bull right now. And um, you can barely and you can barely get above Kleshin's mark alone by adding up all those players we just uh, said together. So Bedoya, Bradley, Plissich, Jones together are at uh, wait a minute, it's are at five point three. Kleshin's at four point one. So again, um, this is a team gonna struggle. Um, it's gonna rely heavily on getting Yedlin and Johnson up up those flanks and involved. And that means it's also going to be wing heavy. Which also means we're going to see um, once again a team with the very high cross to three ball ratio, which has been uh, sort of the problem with this team and being very inefficient since we since the World Cup, since Clemson's taken over, um, we haven't had that um, in our arsenal, and uh, I think that's going to continue. So, looking at the forwards. Um... It's a little bit, it gets even tougher because Bobby Wood, we have no data on. And it, I think. 17 I, I don't goals, think, though. I, 17 I, goals yeah. in, a, in Bundesliga 2. I, I don't remember how you said it, but you did, you said it really well um, when we were just goofing off beforehand. Oh, uh, yeah. I, basically, I said that um, I'm not convinced that Bobby Wood is the answer solely because I haven't seen data on him. He very well may well be, but. I don't um, make judgments on players I, you know, have seen nothing from. And I know just basically I know that 17 when I see 17 goals and then see the minutes it's in, that's to me is, is almost meaningless unless I know his conversion rate, um, you know, expected goals, any other number of, of stats. So right now I'm, I'm not I almost have no opinion of what he's just sort of a. You know, uh, we'll see type of thing. From my opinion, well, it, um, it, it seems it seems just coming from the league stature that he did something that was good. I mean, you you look at there's there's a lot of buzz around him within the Bundesliga and the right, fact but that Kyle Lahren did this last year in in North, with the uh, MLS and got very similar buzz with the exact goal rate and it's or not goal rate but the exact goal number. And right. you know, I would argue, okay. Cool, it's a young player who should have scored, uh, you know, like 12 goals, and he got 17. Right. That's that's a huge gap. Uh, if, if he scored 12, there would be some buzz, not a lot of buzz. So I don't like looking at, oh, he still has 17 goals. I didn't, so what? To me. Um, if you want to read, like, um, that's probably very sort of jarring and shocking in terms of how traditionally you think about soccer. Um, I, If you look up, uh, I have an article on the site about finishing in MLS. You can go through, look at um, data going back to 1996 in MLS, show why things like that, what Kyle Lahren did, are not sustainable. So, um, yeah, would it's totally not necessarily have a true. It's not indicative of what his true talent is. Um, players can get hot, and Bobby Woods can score 17 goals. The question isn't, uh, and, and who knows, maybe next year he scores 10. That doesn't, you know, in the Bundesliga, that doesn't necessarily, that shouldn't vault him to the top of the list. And it's, again, difficult to say anything and to properly apply any type of uh, short period of time 
Although I suppose we'll probably get about five games. Uh, we'll get nearly five games worth of uh, of information from the, this go around. So looking at that in the last year, I think we'll probably start having a, a better idea of who Bobby Wood is after this tournament. But uh, I, I I still am in wait and see mode, and I I know that's probably not fair considering uh or some people don't view that as fair considering what he's accomplished in a short amount of time. That being said, um, you know, well, I think it is. I, just because people don't think it is fair doesn't mean that it um it is fair. I think it is the ultimate fair when you look at um data being up, awarding something on something, awarding favor to a player that could be um, having a um, just a hot streak to me is not um, that is not fair. So when Mike McGee gets an MVP in the league a year, love Mike McGee. Um, when you look at like what he did that year, to me that's not a, a fair award when you look at uh, as an assessment of talent, was Mike McGee the best player that year? Are the most talented player that year. So, yeah. Again, um, we'll see on uh, on Bobby Wood. But I think um, across the board, um, a lot of people are angry about Jordan Morris. Um, I think, frankly, that's um, a really stupid um, debate that people are having. Frank, I mean, primarily, again, this goes back to my rearranging seats on the bench. Um, we're talking about maybe an impact striker. I think Wander was going to have the same role he had in the World Cup. Um, probably not going to start. That's probably not a good way to lead, dude. Uh, sure. Um, I, <laughs> I I see what you mean. But, I mean, the point being, when I'll get to this, is that Wando is, is playing much better um, right now than Jordan Morris. He's And it's not even about goal scoring. It's talking about sustainability of his numbers and has shown throughout his career something that Jordan Morris simply has not. And that is dependability, dependability to get in the right spots, dependability to convert, um, just straight up dependability. He is, and I still believe that uh, if you don't count Dempsey as a pure striker because he's played in so many different positions, I still think that Wando is the most talented American forward of his generation. And he deserves this more than Jordan Morris right now. And if you want to talk about, well, bringing Morris to build, I mean, He's going to be playing professional soccer in, in the meantime. Jordan Morris will be fine. This isn't like an indictment of Jordan Morris in any way. It's just this is the best forward pool that we can have. Um, and then uh, Jossie Zardes, who, you know, who's also there. I think Jossie Zardes, um, right now, we don't have a lot of backup nines. We don't have someone to back up uh, um, Altidore. So right now, Dempsey's gonna, probably going to be our nine. I think that's a role he he does very well um sort of uh he can do hold up play he can distribute he can play back to goal he can he's sort of a an all-purpose forward and i think jossie's artist um backs him up very well so if dempsey um needs if we want to play with um more dempsey underneath and have sardis in there that's another option i think it's a good forward pool so and quite frankly this is the the best lineup that Klinsman has ever called into a camp for a major tournament. Um, it's that doesn't mean I'm satisfied. I'm if we're gonna nitpick. I mean, I, my complaints were where are with the forty. Um, the fact that Kleschen and Phil Hopper, those guys didn't make the forty. My his concept of what a midfield does to create chances or 
I guess, is not even thinking about that in some um, aspects or seemingly. I think that is um, my issue. But for the players that he had in that 40-man roster, I think this was largely the right 23. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you can nitpick. I think that's that's I what mean, we have. Susie, uh, I, I would replace yeah. Susie with someone. Um, but I, Susie I, and, and I, Roscoe are like the we, only sticking points for me. No, no, I wasn't wasn't going to go down that route, but I I, I am going to piggyback upon uh, your whole bit on crossing. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to stack this team with crossers and and you're going to try that at some point, um, this is probably not the lineup for that. I mean, maybe Bobby Wood is some type of uh, uh, has some type of ability to get his head to the ball that just we haven't seen. I think Dempsey is probably the one guy that consistently uh, can can earn uh and win an aerial uh shot and on set pieces obviously you're gonna have brooks and cameron who are both um elite elite ball winners um so you know you have that that being said i mean if that's how you're going to look at this and that's how you're going to succeed man that's that's putting it that that's that's leaving a lot to chance chance and I think that's that's trying to uh, that's really playing things very very conservatively, and I I think that's a good way to lose. Well, yeah, I, I mean that's but that's been that's how not we, a plan. That's not a plan to succeed. That's a plan not to fail. Right. Well, that's been what we've been doing. And I, I made the same mistake about uh, the same um, argument about a couple teams, unless one of them being the earthquakes that like that. They're winning and losing a lot of the time. It's purely a dice roll based on if they can convert these, you know, low efficient. They're because of how inefficient they are, and I think the U.S. falls very, very much in that category. Um, you know, if you wanted to talk about optimizing forwards, maybe you bring in C.J. Sapong. Um, but I think we're still a little ways away from that. I think um, that's fair, especially this being like his first. Here, uh, here's your first tournament, Copa America, you know. Right. Well, it's not a real Copa America. We need to get into that. Like if the, the fact that the teams that normally compete in Copa America aren't sending their best teams. Um, the fact that we're not even getting the real. Like if we win, they're giving us a separate trophy. Like you know, if Mexico or the U.S. win, we get this trip, but our name isn't actually going on the real Copa America. Like this is. A tournament so we can sell $100 seats. And if you looked at prices for tickets, um, that's why you can't afford them right now. This is a money tournament. Uh, this is um, It's a great opportunity to match up against all these teams. But, you know, I don't think this is... We need to look at it in like a fan out of important tournaments. This isn't a Copa America. This is a... Um, I don't know what to call it, but it's not a Copa America. So it's... Uh, that's just something to to keep in mind when uh if we fail or if we win or go through that you know this isn't as prestigious as they're going to try and make it out to be by any means well, I, I mean what happens what does that mean now in, in that perspective of when we don't succeed i mean because let, let's face it even if you have all those things and even if you want to you know qualify this tournament in that regard that this isn't a true uh you know copa america that's fine there's still some tough competition going that's go, that we're going to be facing, and there are still going to be uh, the. Fee, I would still rather take the field 
over the United States, regardless of either what the United States fourth or fifth in the Copa, uh, in probably in uh, yeah, in in the odds. In so, the odds. so uh, our getting out of our group is going to be um, we have a tough group. Get once we get out of the group, it's actually a not that hard of a path um, going forward because the other side of the bracket is the one with Argentina. Uh, Uruguay, Mexico, and uh, Chile. So, and you Basically know, point. right. So we've got Brazil on our side of the bracket, and it's a week in Brazil. They're not bringing Neymar, for instance. So, I don't believe they are. So, I think um, winning the group is priority. If we win the group, we'll more than likely play. Uh, I believe it's Ecuador. I uh, don't have the group in front of me. We're, we'll play the Group B winner, or Group B runner-up. Um, if we don't win, if we get second place in that group, we play Brazil, which of the group winners will be the weakest group winner. Um, so outside the group winner in our group. So that's still a good matchup. The problem, uh, I think, is still going to be getting out of that group because Costa Rica is a good team. Um, and that's really our, uh, competition for, uh, for second. And we play them second game. We play, um, uh, oh, who's the, who's the other team in that group? I don't remember. I don't have it in front of me. Dan Harrison, this is bad podcasting. Uh, we, we prepared for an hour and a half and we don't even have the groups. <laughs> I know. Well, you know. I I'm pulling up uh, our our uh, internal Slack page, so I was gonna discuss. I was gonna throw out the uh, the odds that Aaron Nielsen uh, posted earlier. Um, if it ever comes up. All right. Yeah, I don't have the groups in just in a jiffy. Oh, okay. Well, that that works. Um, Colombia. Okay. So. Oh, that's um, right. Colombia, we play first. Is, the, is, I think, the problem. So, usually you want to be able to ramp up in a tournament. So, it's, it's when you play your three group games, you want the hardest one last. We have the hardest one first. And so, we have to be able to get that point, at least a point out of that game immediately. Uh, which means we have to get these friendlies going forward to right. That's problematic in my mind. Especially since you're going to spend the better part of a year um, not having played a single first-team lineup. So, you know, guys are getting into camp. We haven't we haven't seen a first-team U.S. lineup in over a year. Uh, next game after that is Costa Rica, the second um, game that we want, we need points out of. So it's actually a ramp down like, in terms of quality. And then after that is, is Paraguay. So I think that's very problematic in scheduling. I think I, I, wanna, I don't want to put odds on it, but I think um, it's possible we don't get out of this group. Even if we have the home field advantage in all these games, I wouldn't be shocked if we don't get out of this group. I think we'll probably get second. And then I think we'll probably get bounced by Brazil. That would be my prediction at the moment without having seen the friendlies leading up. Tournament odds, uh, according to Infostrata Sports, is uh, for the Copa America, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, uh, USA, Colombia, Uruguay, uh, Mexico, Ecuador, Costa Rica, Peru, uh, uh, Paraguay, um, Venezuela, Jamaica, Panama, 
Bolivia and Haiti. So, in yeah. order. Uh, yeah, and, and, and our odds are so high because of the, the path. Mexico's are low because right. of they have to go through Argentina um, or Chile or um, or uh, I forget the, their exact path. But it's not an easy path whatsoever. Although um, one thing to remember of Mexico is they're, they, they're essentially playing a home tournament. So uh, they're going to every single stadium they play in is going to be filled. Um, it's just absolutely filled with the pro-Mexican crowd. Yep. So that's, you know, playing Mexico at home in a tournament, not something you wanted to. So I think um, they're, uh, they're ones to watch in this tournament. Um, other top, than that... The top yeah, five goal scorers uh, for odds for who's going to be the uh, the top, the golden boot of the tournament is, uh, of course, Messi, uh, Suarez, uh, Aguero, uh, Gonzalo Higuain, and then uh, Alexi Ch- Sanchez. So those are your top five. So you're saying Bobby Wood's not even in the top five? Uh, surprisingly, no. Uh, well, he, I knew. Are they aware that he scored 17 goals in Bundesliga 2? <laughs> Dempsey is tied with uh, the Silva Willen and then uh, Carlos Baca at 34. With who? The first one? Uh, Willen from uh, Chelsea. He's oh. a winger. Okay. For a second, I thought you mispronounced Lyon. Who? I, th- I thought it was like Lyon from Mexico. I thought you were just mispronouncing Lyon. No. <laughs> I was going to just uh, laugh at you. Sorry. Well, you could. I probably would. <laughs> let's all let's all make fun of Harrison. Oh, let's all ha ha ha. So those are the 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 tournament odds uh, in terms of uh, top goal scorers. I think I think there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of hype on USA doing somewhat well in this tournament. I don't I don't see it. I. I would. I'm gonna. T- I take Costa Rica over over the U.S. at this stage. Jeez, uh, Costa Rica has not been doing so hot right now. Is the thing. I, I I know I know, but I. I feel I I I still feel like I like their roster better, and that's just. Oh, I do too. Um, I'm I'm gonna wait till the friendlies because there is some talent on this team. Uh, right now the U.S.'s defense is very strong. Very strong if they can get it together. Um, and I think that could be, you know, uh, especially this is a home tournament. I think Final Four is the best case. Um, I think most likely is getting bounced by Brazil. Um, worst case, and still very possible, is not is uh, yeah not making the uh, it out of the group because of Costa Rica. I still still think it's pretty hilarious. Dempsey has 34 to one odds to be a Golden Boot. That's kind of high, isn't it? Doesn't that seem re- rather high to you? Uh, not. Hmm. Not really one to know odds, but uh. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I I if I had to pick a gold Golden Boot, uh, he's gonna be taking the penalty kicks. Uh, he's definitely going to be. The primary goal scorer for the U.S. probably. Um, hey, Josie Altador, fifty-one to one. <laughs> right, right. 
Uh, kind of like Landon Donovan. Uh, Gio DeSantis is 51 to 1. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like a 2015 um, MLS opener. Uh, Landon Donovan, there were odds. People were betting on whether Landon would score the first goal. You know, obviously he, had, he retired the year before. It wasn't playing. Um, but Man. Yeah, um, it, those are great odds to put up because you're you're guaranteed. Um, if, and if anyone puts money down, then uh, you uh, <laughs> you yeah. just made money. <laughs> it's just as simple as that. It's hundred percent return. So uh, yeah, I, I, if I ran book, if I ran books, I would do that. Like most of my odds would be like that. That's like the equivalent of uh, there's that TV show, uh, the fantasy football TV show, uh, the league. And in it, they always had that uh, um, Dre who would always draft someone that had retired the year before. <laughs> like, it, it always happened. And, you know, he just wasn't paying – or, like, uh, he, he drafted, like, the first year, he drafted, like, Keyshawn Johnson or something. who had been retired at the time for, like, five years or something. And so, yeah, that, that's, like, the equivalent, right? It's, like, that's the guy that you want using your services to bet. Yeah, well, of course you do because the betters, if betters put money on it, then the then the bookie makes 100% back. Yeah, yeah, that's just yeah. It's not that's, the bookies who are just, who don't know economics. what they're doing. Yeah, it's not the bookie that doesn't know what they're doing. It's the it's the better. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I th- I think that kind of wraps things up. Yeah. This was supposed to be like a positive podcast. I, mean, I think I I feel like I've kind of brought it down. Well, yeah, because he predicted that we weren't getting out of the group. Well, I know, but it, I believe real that we will win at least one game. Well, I believe too. I, that I, we will win at least one game. Probably not. I think we'll get a draw for certain. Oh yeah, I, uh, I'm very high on the U.S. chances of getting a point in this tournament. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a that's a pretty good probability. Um, two points. You know, very, very bullish on a the <laughs> on one point USA. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I think if nothing else, it'll be fun to actually have another tournament going on. Um, tournaments are just fun, whether it's the Gold Cup or whether it's the World Cup. I I just enjoy them because it's fun to have a day that you can kind of take off and watch soccer and. I don't know. There's there's just something special about him. So assuming you can take the day off. <laughs> I, bu- assuming you have a job, you can take the day off. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I meant. Um, go out to iTunes. We're actually there. Um, you may be surprised. Click the five star button. You might feel like that's lying and. Here's the deal. It probably is. We're not a five-star podcast, but give us the ratings. Tell other people about us. There's some people that might actually enjoy listening to us and might think, wow, I learned something today. Maybe. I enjoy listening to me. If you don't if you don't vote five stars, you're you're taking that chance and that opportunity away. Based of how based upon how suggestions are crafted. They don't base suggestions off of, you know, people looking for analytical podcasts. No. They want to know what's popular. 
what the cool kids are doing. So give us five stars. Help us compete with the cool kids. Help us compete with those people. Go to the Stitcher app. Do the same thing. Um, like us on Facebook, even though Facebook right not right now is not populating uh, the correct stream um, of posts. But you can go out to Twitter and you can certainly go out there and you'd see all sorts of cool tweets that um, Drew Olson, who is our site editor, puts through. He, he Every week he's got some he's got some good stuff. Uh, definitely go out there, follow us on Analysis Evolved. Sean, wanna say goodbye? Uh, I do. Gonzalo Iguain. Oh. Alright. And Kai Kamara. See you later. Hasta luego. And enjoy your week. Shut your face. High school jerks, we're about to show you how this works. Are we cool? Laser beams, we're about to awesome all your dreams. And you'll say, What are you, some kind of computer? And we'll say, Yes, I bought fit from the future, and I'm going deaf for cheesy. I'm feeling a bit. Rock. We're hip